What's happening, everybody? Welcome to the Recovering Hypocrite Podcast. I am, as always, your host and the chief recovering hypocrite around these parts, uh, Noel Jesse Hakenen. And this is a quarantined edition of the Recovering Hypocrite Podcast. And what that means is I'm sitting in my undisclosed bunker. It's actually in my basement, um, talking about uh, something. And, and I've done a few of these over the course of the last year, um, but I don't have an interview. I don't have a guest. It's just something I want to talk about. Um, And of course, I'm also going to be posting this uh, as a video on Instagram TV. So if you'd rather see my pretty face, you can see that on Instagram or you can head over to noeljesse.com slash podcast and I'll have the video version on that um, as well. So you can kind of follow along that way. This last weekend at Riverview, we launched into a 21 days of prayer season. And there's nothing magical about 21 days. We're doing a three-week series on our vision as a church. And we just thought it'd be good uh, to get our church body together to pray. And so if you want to learn more about that, you can go over to rivchurch.com or all of the Riv socials, which are Riv Church. But I wanted to just take a few minutes and talk about prayer a bit um, because of a comment that I saw. My friend Ronnie Martin posted this on Twitter. He basically said, uh, prayer might be the least passive thing that you do today. And I really loved that statement that he made because our culture has a negative impression about prayer these days. It's interesting. You'll you'll have like the VMAs where people will thank God or, you know, kind of the, they'll point up to the heavens and throw a little prayer that way. But whenever something really substantive happens in culture, not something as trite as a video music award, but something big, um, and Christians throw out, hey, uh, my thoughts and prayers are with you, or people post thoughts and prayers. Um, it just really gets lambasted in our culture right now as if thoughts and prayers are the most passive thing that someone can do. And why don't you just do something instead of being so passive and just praying? Um, And I think that there are a couple reasons why people think of prayer as a passive thing. Uh, The first is a lot of times it comes from a place of just not believing that there is a God. And so prayer, if there is no God, is a really goofy thing, right? We're just talking to the sky or, you know, the the flying spaghetti monster or whatever, right? So so we're just talking to the sky and it does no good. It's it's like meditation, but worse. Like our culture may be okay with meditation, but we're not okay with prayer, right? So, So talking to God, if God doesn't exist, is dumb, right? And I would agree that would be dumb. The second thing is if maybe there is a God up there, but he doesn't seem to care. And when we pray, it doesn't seem to do anything, right? And 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 so, so for a lot of people, it's like prayer becomes a passive thing because they think that it doesn't actually affect anything. That when we pray, it doesn't move God. In fact, sometimes that can come from a very religious place. We can be people who really believe in the sovereignty of God and that God is in control and that he knows what's happening in the world and he's directing things. And so we're like, if that's true, why should I bother praying there? So so very irreligious and secular people and very religious and Christian people at the same time don't pray and they kind of think of prayer as a passive thing. Or maybe it's just something you had to do, right? Um, growing up or whatever. So, so I think that there are a lot of reasons to pray. And I want to just give you a few, but I want to start with the simplest one. And this is to those of you who are followers of Jesus, who really believe uh, in the gospel, believe that there is a God, believe that he is in sovereign control. And it is simply this. We are commanded to pray. And and, and I know we don't like 
just doing something because we're commanded to. But I think baked into this command is actually a, a wonderful truth that if we get it, uh, we will want to obey this command. Let me show you just one place in Scripture where we're commanded uh, to pray. And it's in 1 Thessalonians. In fact, it's it's the I think it's the shortest verse on prayer in, in, in the Bible. Uh, it, it, uh, 1 Thessalonians 5.17, it says this, pray constantly. <laughs> that's it. That's like the whole verse. In fact, other translations say pray without ceasing, uh, but that's three words, so I like this translation better. Pray constantly. But let's broaden it out into the whole sentence. This is what it says. Uh, verse 16, 17, and 18 in 1 Thessalonians 5 it says, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in everything, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Um, and, and, and so basically what Paul is saying is there's three things I want you to do. I want you to rejoice. And by the way, rejoice is praying, right? <laughs> it's, it's having a joyful posture that is not anchored in circumstances. Happiness is anchored in circumstances. It's anchored in, in the reality of who God is and knowing that he is in control of circumstances. So you've got rejoicing, which is in a sense praying. And then he says, I want you to pray constantly. And then what does he say? He says, I want you to thank, uh, thank uh, give thanks and everything, which is praying. So, so basically, Paul gives three commands. It's basically pray, pray, pray. Rejoice in your prayer. Pray constantly and pray thankfully. It, it's basically reorienting your posture. And he says at the end, this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So if you want to know what God's will is for your life, it is that you do this. And so context in the Bible is always king. And so uh, you kind of want to swirl out from a Bible verse when you read it. You want to read the verse in context of the paragraph, in context of the chapter, in context of the book and, and the Testament and the Bible, right? You always want to kind of swirl out. And so if you swirl out from this passage, you'll see something interesting. Right before this, uh, Paul describes some stuff that is going on in, in the church there to whom he's writing. He says this. Uh, we'll go back to verse 14. He says, And we exhort you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle, comfort the discouraged, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see to it that no one repays evil for evil to anyone, but always pursue what is good for one another and for all, Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks and everything for this is uh, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Okay, so what is going on here? Check this out. What's happening in this church? Well, there are idle people, which means there are lazy people, right? Um, he says that there are people who are discouraged in the church. There are people who are weak. There are people who are getting on your nerves. Be patient with everyone implies you have a temptation not to be patient, which means what? That someone is getting on your nerves, right? Uh, see to it that no one prays evil of evil. So someone is being evil. So in this church, there are people uh, There are people who are idle. They're lazy. Uh, there's weak people. There's people who are getting on your nerves. Uh, there are people who are being evil. And so what does he command them to do? Two things. One, move into those spaces. So it's action. What is the action? The action is uh, to warn those who are idle. Have that difficult conversation with that lazy person. Comfort the discouraged. Someone's discouraged. Sit down with them. Comfort them. Do something. Help the weak. That is an action verb. Someone is weak. You help them. You strengthen them. Be patient with everyone. So that person's getting on your nerves. Your action step is to be patient with them. And when someone is evil, you don't respond with evil. And with that action, what do you do? 
you rejoice always, you pray constantly, you give thanks in everything. In other words, prayer is part of the activity of a follower of Christ that we are called to do. And so when we're faced with you know, laziness or people who are getting on our nerves or evil that is coming at us, all that sort of thing, weak people who need to be comforted, we move into their spaces uh, representing Jesus and we call out to God and ask him to be part of what is going on um, in that person's life. I remember... Um, one time hearing um, Terry Virgo, who is uh, the founder of the New Frontiers Church Planting uh, Movement in the UK, um, and uh, I'm real good friends with his brother, uh, his son. He said that what prayer is, it is arguing what God has said. Now, think about that for a second. He says, arguing what God has said. Um, in other words, what he's saying is what prayer is, is it's our part of the conversation. God speaks to us through his word, and, and our piece of the dialogue is we pray back to him what? His word. We argue with God, hey, make your word true. The things that you have said, make it true. You see this throughout scripture. Um, you see this with Elijah. You see this with Nehemiah. You see this with Daniel. You see this with David. They, they, they take God's word and say, God, you said this is true. And so then they pray, God, make what you said true, true. Um, and so you engage in that um, with him. In fact, I've often, it's kind of a cliche, people say uh, for like pastors and when you're doing Bible study and stuff, they're like, oh, um, um, pray first. Make sure you are all prayed up uh, before you read the word or start uh, preparing. And I get that. And I think it's a good thing. It's a holy. But I like prayer as a response. I like to start with the word and then to pray the word and, and to ask God to move in the ways that he said he's going to move. Um, and so, like for instance, in this 21 days of prayer, what we're doing is we're posting every day a little bit of a Bible verse, right? And then on top of the Bible verse, we're saying, hey, pray this stuff, right? Because we want our prayer to be a response to, to him. That is God's will for your life. And so part of the posture changed follower of Jesus is we have this this prayer with God, this this constant prayer. Now, I know when I say constant prayer, that freaks a lot of people out because they're like, you know, now they're like, oh, I'm not doing it too much. I'm, um, I don't know how to pray, right? So here's the thing. In scripture, we have, th there's, there's, almost no wrong way to pray except to pray within God's will. And by the way, how do you pray within God's will? You pray scripture, right? And so it's a great way to pray. Uh, God's will is to, to uh, pray scripture. And so um, we saw that Jesus, he was a morning prayer. He would get up early in the morning, but Jesus also prayed late at night, as did David. He was kind of a late night prayer. And Daniel, he had a plan to pray three times a day. And, and there's no magical link to prayer. When we were putting together the 21 days of prayer, I was doing a study uh, through uh, the Bible on famous prayers in the Bible. And what I was blown away with is the length of prayers in the Bible. Like when the disciples went to Jesus and said to him, hey, um, would you teach us how to pray? Jesus responds with the Lord's Prayer. And if you take your time, the Lord's Prayer will take you 20 seconds. In fact, the longest prayer that is recorded of Jesus's in, in Scripture is clocks in just uh, about three minutes. Um, Moses prayed for about 20 seconds before he went up to get the tablets the second time in, in Exodus or in Deuteronomy. That's a great story. Um, Elijah is a short prayer. Nehemiah was a short prayer. The Apostle Paul is a short prayer. Um, and but we do have, so so praying short is not a bad thing. In fact, I love what Martin Luther says, and I posted this online, but I want to read it because I, I keep posting it everywhere this week because I love it. Martin Luther said the Christian prays 
And because he knows that God hears him, he does not need to prate. And, and to prate means to foolishly talk or just go on and on and on and on, right? Tediously. He said, there is no use in many long prayers, but to sigh heavenward with a word or two, which one can do very often when he's reading, writing, or doing some other work. In short, one should pray short, but often and strongly, for God does not ask how much and how long one has prayed, but how good it is and if it comes from the heart. So Martin Luther just argued a lot for short prayers, and I'm a big fan of short prayers myself, um, but there's also long prayers in Scripture. In the book of Psalms, we have really, really long prayers recorded. Uh, the entire nation of Israel at one point prayed for three hours, and there was a lot of times where like Jesus would go off and pray. Uh, we don't know how long Daniel prayed, so they may have gone and prayed for a long time, but the bottom line is you can pray short, you can pray long. The bottom line is just pray, and pray in uh, God's will. So pray, I, I love of praying scripture. It's just a, a great way to stay within um, in God's will. And so I just want to give you a couple, I hate to even say this, it just sounds really strange, but I'm going to give you a couple tips about praying. That sounds so wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Some things to think about because so many people struggle with prayer. And so here's a couple things that might help you. First of all, I think that no matter who you are, whether you're a planner or a non-planner, I think you should plan your prayer life. Because even non-planners know there are certain areas of our lives, if we don't have a plan, we're never going to be able to accomplish the stuff we want to. Like, if we don't have a plan for our money, a budget, we're not going to pay our bills, right? And so uh, people who don't plan really struggle with that. So have some sort of plan. And your plan can be anything. It can be when you get up in the morning before you turn on your phone, you're going to take a couple minutes and just thank God for the day before. Or maybe I, I use a, a program called Echo. Um, and Echo is a program, and I'll put a link in the show notes uh, to this, and I'll, I'll link it everywhere. Um, Echo, basically, it's like we need one more app, but it's a prayer app that you can basically say how frequently you want to pray for something, and it will load up prayer requests, and then it'll remind you to pray. So if someone comes up to me and tells me they're having surgery on a certain day at a certain time, I punch it in, and then right when they're wheeled into surgery, my phone pops up and tells me to pray for this person. It's a plan that I have so that I can actually be praying for people, which I, I love. Um, the other idea is to have prayer triggers, just things in your life that you say, this is going to um, be the thing that reminds me of prayer, and then you train yourself. And it could be something as simple as, like I said, when you get up in the morning, you get up in the morning and you're like, okay, first thing, before I touch my phone, I'm going to pray, right? <laughs> before I start getting online, I'm going to pray. It could be a reminder you set in your app. Uh, to trigger you when you, uh, at a certain time, to pray. Um, or I've even found temptation triggers can be pretty good. Like, if you have something in your life that you are tempted by, like I used to tell people all the time who were tempted with uh, lust, like lustful thoughts, that as soon as they start lusting after somebody, to start praying for that person's salvation, because it's really hard to lust after someone inappropriately that you're praying for, <laughs> that they would um, come to Christ. So, so just uh, triggers like that. Um, um, or and, and the final thing is, when you think of praying, just pray right then. Again, prayers can be really short. Like I was um, downtown Lansing recording a bit for our service this last weekend, and a homeless dude stopped by, and he was watching us as we were recording. And then we struck up a conversation afterward, and I sat down on the curb, and he told me his life story and some really kind of tough stuff he'd been through. And I just said, man, I got to pray for this guy. And so instead of saying, hey, I'll pray for you, I said, hey, can I pray with you? And by the way, I do this fairly often, just telling people, hey, can we pray right now? And I have never, not once, been turned down. 
Think about that. So if if you if you think about prayer, uh, just let that itself be the trigger and and pray. And so and to that end, I, I'm just thinking maybe I should close this in prayer. I don't know how long I've gone. I'm just going to s- stop. But let's pray that scripture um, that we were just teaching through. And so um, in in First Thessalonians five, let's just close by praying this stuff. Uh, God, we do pray uh, for those who are idle. Um, those who are lazy right now, we just pray that they would, they would, they would see the need uh, to, to get off their their butts really and to stop being idle. We pray for the discouraged right now that they would be comforted. We pray for the weak that we would have good that you would help us to have ways to help them. Help us to figure out ways to help the weak. Uh, we just pray for those people who are getting on our nerves. We just pray that we would be patient uh, toward them, that those who are being evil toward us, that we would uh, not be evil toward them. Um, and we we thank you um, that your word gives us a, a pathway toward doing this stuff. Uh, we thank you that when we pray, we're not praying to somehow gain your favor, um, but we're praying because we have your favor. It's just kind of like, I love it when my kids call me or text me and they want to talk. I just, just help us to, to, to be people who don't feel guilty about prayer, but just want to pray. Uh, and so we pray all this in Jesus's name. 